we just sang from Psalm 36. Psalm 36 talks about or contrast two things: the wickedness heart, wickedness in the heart of man, uh, versus the deep judgment of God, the truth of God. Matthew 19 is the passage that we are going to read this morning. First 10 verses. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these things, and he departed from the Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them, made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said, said, said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, Moses, because the hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His, his disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Marriage and divorce is such a difficult, difficult topic. In some cases, talking about marriage can be awkward sometimes. Unless you are a very, very close friend. Unless you know the person very well, you don't ask a person... <coughs> about their marriage. I mean, even close friends, sometimes it can be a very awkward topic which you don't really bring up. Depending on the person or situation of that person, the conversation can be very awkward. I know this from my experience. My uncle... Uh, both sides, my mom and dad, uh, divorced. And it's hard to talk about marriage, of course. And speaking of marriage, it is even more difficult to talk about divorce. I never asked my uncle anything about divorce. Not a pleasant topic in a family gathering. But when a young couple, when they're dating, or before 
they're getting married or engaged, or when a guy is about to ask a girl out, of course the guy is not thinking about divorce. Oh, I'm going to ask her out so that I can divorce. It doesn't make sense. Nobody does that. And when they get married, they don't really think about divorce. They don't get married so that they can get divorced. That's really strange. At the wedding ceremony, the bride and her father, they walk through the aisle. And as they do so, you can see the bride is excited about her bright marriage life, future, bright future. And I can guarantee you, most cases, hopefully, that there's no room for her to think about divorce at the time. Minister asks, who gives this woman to this man? And when her father gives her to the groom, her father is giving away his daughter. He's thinking about all the good memories or bad memories. All the things that he did to her can be mixed feelings, happy, bit, bit sad, but still happy. Nevertheless, her father doesn't think about divorce on her wedding day. As a Christ said in this passage, it was not so, you're thinking about divorce, but it was not so from the beginning. When Christ went with the Lord, God designed the marriage in his head, he didn't really think about divorce. And it's the same when we get married, when the bridegroom makes a vow, and it's a serious vow, and when he's about to put a ring to her finger, he doesn't think about divorce. Why would you? No one thinks about divorce when they get married. No one has intention to divorce his wife or her husband at the moment that they get married. Nevertheless, however, sadly, divorce happens. And when that happens, it hurts. It hurts the family, it hurts the children. And it is shameful, very touchy subject. So here's the theme and the points. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? That is the question that's thrown to uh, Christ in this text. The first point, God's intention of marriage in creation. Second point, we're going to see the Moses intention of marriage in the law and then Christ's intention of marriage maybe I should add there in redemption so verse 1 now it came, it came to pass when Jesus had finished this saying that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond, beyond Jordan he finished these things these things what, what are these sayings um well, Jesus just finished teaching about forgiveness. If you flip to the previous chapter, the point is in the previous chapter is that as you have been forgiven by the Father, you also forgive your brother his trespasses. That was the summary of the previous chapter in the, 
immediate context. How fitting it is, if you think about it, how fitting it is that that teaching comes first before Jesus talks about marriage and divorce. Because in marriage, forgiveness is very necessary, isn't it? We, also, we must acknowledge that we are fallen human, sinful human beings. We always sin and make mistakes. Because we are sinful human beings, marriages suffer and be broken because of our sins. Marriages are always under attack. That is why we have such a high rate of divorce in this nation. Uh, when you get married, we have, we call that short, not short, sometimes it can be long, hopefully, honeymoon period. Everything seems to be great. Even the snoring of your husband sounds like lullaby. But as time goes by, both husband and wife, they get busy. Children always make unpleasant noise. Sickness can make things difficult. Stress from work. All these extra things that you didn't really think about before you get married can be added as challenge, challenges. And most of all, we always fall short when it comes to loving one another. Being patient with one another. So it is very fitting in this context that forgiveness is very, very important key to maintain healthy relationships. So after Jesus talked about this, taught, after Jesus finished teaching these things, saying these things, there was a group of people who came to him, verse 3, the Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? So our text says the Pharisees came to him. Why did they, why did they come to him? What was their reason? You, can notice, you notice that in the middle in verse 3 it says, The Pharisees also came to him testing him. They wanted to test Christ. They didn't come to listen to and submit to the teaching of Jesus Christ, but they want to test him or scandalize him. They are going to ask him some questions um, to put him in trouble, hostile intention toward him. It, it was a trap. As I mentioned in the introduction, the topic of divorce, marriage can be a very touchy subject. And um, that was the case right here. Well, the Pharisees brought Jesus into this debate so they can trap him politically. Perhaps they hoped that Jesus would criticize the King Herod because if you remember the story right before this story, uh, King Herod, uh, he took his brother's wife and John the Baptist who came before Christ, he, his head was, cho was chopped off. He was executed 
because he criticized uh, the Herod's uh, marriage and divorce. That just happened, and the Pharisees were very aware of that. So in this case, uh, we can say that talking about divorce or marriage uh, for Christ was very touchy subject because of political reasons. So Pharisees said in verse 3, is it lawful? Now he's, they're talking about this is a legal question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for, for just any reason? Any reason? So it seems like the Pharisees designed this question in this way to trap, trap Christ. Any reason, if you look at other translations, English translation says ESV or RSV, it says, it says, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? NIV, every reason. So we come back to this, uh, this expression, any reason, later in the second point more extensively. But however, in the meantime, Jesus answered in verse 4, have you not read? That who, he who made them at the beginning made them, made them male and female. And verse 5, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. Well, you know this sentence very well. You hear that every time you go to wedding ceremony, it's in our form. Right? Man, woman, Shall leave, man will leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife to become one flesh. They are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any reason? The Pharisees asked. While, while the Pharisees were focusing on that any reason to divorce, Jesus is focusing on the very reason why you shouldn't divorce. Notice that the answer begins with for this reason. He wants to draw our attention to God's motivation, not our motivation. For God made male and female because God said two shall become one flesh. Because God said so, because God has joined these two into one flesh, let not men separate. For this reason, you shouldn't divorce. So, this means, implication is very simple. When God created heavens and the earth, when God designed marriage in the beginning, there was no divorce. Precisely speaking, before sin entered into this world, in God's perfect creation, there was no divorce. Marriage is a holy institution created by God himself. 
God intended it to be male and female, two becoming one. When Adam met Eve for the first time, he said, this is now my now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This in the, in the agreement with what Jesus said, two shall become one. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. There was no, no room for divorce. Adam didn't even know what divorce was. Now, this is very important when it comes to the third point of the sermon. In a redemption, this becomes very important. Because if, so to speak, Christ wants to divorce his wife because of our unfaithfulness, well, I'm going to emphasize that later again, that we all deserve to be perished. Originally, there was no provision for divorce. In fact, in other passages, it is very clear that God hates divorce. Why? Because marriage is instituted by God who is faithful and loving. And because it was instituted by God, it should reflect God's characters, such as faithfulness and loving. Marriage is not a social contract, as some people think it that way, especially uh, today, that people marry thinking about the benefits only, not really thinking about the commitment. But Christians, we ought to learn from Jesus Christ, Christ and the church. The relationship between Christ and church is described in the language, with the language of marriage. Christ, he loves his church to the point of his death that he is not showing, not only showing his own interest, but he shows his commitment. The marriage should be like that. It's not just a social contract. It's not only about what can I get, but it's about commitment. If you love me, I will love you back. It's a very frequently used lyrics in contemporary songs, I guess. I will love you if, conditional, if you do your dishes and empty your garbage bins and vacuum the floor every day. Again, no, marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant. It is a covenant. Sacred covenant which should not be broken. Malachi 2.16 the Lord God of Israel hates divorce. Malachi 2.14 Because the Lord has been witness between you and your wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Now the Malachi 2.14 is in the context of uh, Lord God is rejecting the offerings, uh, gifts of the people of Israel. And people were complaining, how come the Lord did not bless the people? 
And the reason is because you, the Lord has been witness between you and your wife of your youth, but you were not faithful to your wife. You did not honor your marriages. Exclusive, it's supposed to be permanent, exclusive union between one male and one female. Lifetime commitment. Two are not, no longer two, but one flesh. But in this society, sadly, that's not been honored. So it is good to be reminded of what Jesus said. What God has joined together, let not man separate. The application is very simple. If you honor the commandment of the Lord, which is love your own wife, your own husband, from your youth, the Lord will bless you. If you, you submit to your husband, Love your own husband. The Lord will richly bless you and your family. If you're not, if you don't, deviating from the very commandment of the Lord, like not honoring marriages or things such as living with a boyfriend and girlfriend before marriage or cheating your spouse, According to Malachi, it's very clear the Lord will not bless you. Let's go to the second point, the original intention of the law. Verse 7, the Pharisees followed up with another question. Why then did Moses command, commanded, uh, command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? Look at how the Pharisees designed this question. Why did Moses command, command, keyword, command, to give a certificate to divorce, to put her away? It sounds like, it sounds like, the Mos Moses, the law of Moses, gave an instruction or compelling people or command to write a certificate of divorce to put a wife away. The Pharisees were quoting from Deuteronomy 24. Let's go to Deuteronomy 24 and make sure that we understand that text correctly. So Deuteronomy chapter 24 It says, when a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts in in her hand, and sends her out of his house. When she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, if the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, 
Or if the latter husband dies who took her as his wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So, let me briefly summarize. Let's say there are three characters here. Uh, man, number one, say, guy A, married to woman, B, and somehow he has found some uncleanness in her. Interesting expression. She finds no favor in his eyes. So he doesn't love her anymore. Whatever she does, the husband despises her, doesn't love her. Even if she does some uh, good things, husband finds no favor in her. So this man, uh, the first man, A, wrote a certificate of divorce to put her away and she, so that she, get, she, she can get remarried. And she gets remarried. But sadly, the second marriage didn't go well. The second man, let's call him C, divorces her again. In this case, what the law says is the former husband A, the point of the law is that the former husband A cannot reclaim her. So the law of Deuteronomy 24, when you think about law, uh, the intention of the law is very important. So it has several vital principles. First, a man may divorce his wife only she does something indecent. It says uncleanness. Some unclean things. Shameful things. At second, a divorcing man must give his wife a certificate so that she is legally free to remarry. And the third, the first husband may never take her again. Implication? If he divorces in haste, in hurry, and she is quick to remarry, the man loses her forever. Therefore, you shouldn't make a decision to divorce easily. The law is designed to make people to think twice or third or fourth or many times before come to the conclusion that he is going to divorce her. Moreover, this law is designed to protect the women. In this messy situation, women can be abused. So the intention of the law is not to make it easy for men to put his wife away, but it is the opposite, to make it difficult. Now, going back to our text, the Pharisees, remember, they approached Christ with this tone. Is that okay for a man to divorce his wife with any reason? Christ said, no, in the beginning, there was no 
divorce. So there's no discrepancy between the law and God's intention of marriage in creation. But the Pharisees, they had a misunderstanding of the law, and they said, but, but Moses, why did Moses command, sounds like Moses commanded, to give a certificate to get rid of your wife in some cases? Verse 8 is the key. Let's listen to the voice of our Lord, the one who understood the law perfectly. He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart. That's the key. Because of hardness of your hearts, your hearts, you're thinking about getting rid of your wife's hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. If you if you have a highlight or pen, I would ask you to highlight the word permitted. Did he command? No, he permitted. Why did Moses command? Sounds like Moses wanted us to divorce. Jesus said, no. Because of your hardness of your heart, Moses permitted. So, so what motivated that motivation, the cause of divorce? Um, Jesus pointed out that it was hardness of your heart. As I mentioned just before, before sin, there was no divorce. Now, it's very controversial that uh, when Moses said uncleanness, if you find uncleanness in her, uh, you may divorce her. So what is this uncleanness that the law is talking about? Well, in the history, uh, in a Jewish circle, some rabbis uh, in the Jewish circle, and probably at the time too, they had a different understanding of that uncleanness. Some rabbis wanted to narrow it down in a strict sense, narrow it down only to the sexual misconduct, cheating. But some other rabbis had more broad understanding of this uncleanness, not only sexual misconduct, but if the husband find, husband is displeased with her. Some even would say that. A man may divorce her if he found someone else prettier than she. Actually, that's, that's what some, one of the rabbis said in history. So if you go walk on the street and you find a woman that is prettier than your wife, you think that there is a sufficient enough reason to write a certificate. That's how extreme, broad that uncleanness uh, the definition of uncleanness was. And then some commentators said that probably was the understanding of some Jewish rabbis who was politically driven that they were okay with King Herod. They want to be look good to King Herod. That they uh, bent the interpretation of that uncleanness to gain the political favor from King Herod because King Herod wanted to get rid of his former wife. Oh, King Herod, the law says this, you may do so, kind of thing. 
But the Lord, the lawgiver at the first place, gives a correct interpretation of the law. He nails right on the issue when he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you. So how do we understand this? Well, first, Jesus made it clear that marriage is, has to be honored because God instituted let not man separate what God has joined together. Second, nevertheless, because of this sinful world, Moses conceded. He wanted to protect the law, protect, wanted to protect the woman from the wickedness of man because, again, at the beginning it was not meant to be, but because of sin and because it can be very miserable for women or men in some cases, the Lord allowed divorce in certain cases. First, sexual immorality. Let's say the husband was cheating on his wife or vice versa. Then she is permitted. Again, she's not commanded, but permitted to divorce him. She may. It's not that she has to, but she may. It is possible that, that the victim can forgive uh, the other party. It's possible. That happens. But in some cases, some extreme cases, there are times that getting back together is, is impossible. It is so to speak, no matter what you do, you don't find a favor in his eyes or her eyes. In the case, the living together can be very artificial, you pretend to live together, but reality is worse than being divorced. So in his wisdom, God allowed divorce in certain cases, such as a sexual immorality. She may divorce him. Sometimes there are, there are cases that church uh, members and the leadership uh, force them to live together, hoping that the, the wife can forgive her husband best scenario, yes. But what Christ is saying here is that that's not the intention of the law because it will make her life miserable. We have to again understand the intention of the law first to prevent the divorce, yes. But when that happens, you also have to protect the well-being of a woman or husband depending on the case, the well-being of the victim. And the second uh, there's another place in the Apostle Paul speaks about divorce in case of abandonment. 1 Corinthians 7.14 And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. So there's a condition. Not any kind of abandonment. And I'll continue reading here. For, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, but the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Now he's talking about there's concern about family, the children. Think about the children. And the covenant 
relationship, God extends His grace to the children as well. That for the sake of children, they may attend church, they may, they may know Jesus Christ because they are sanctified in a covenant, a community. When the, even if the husband did something wrong, uh, abandoned, but does not want to, uh, sorry, uh, if the unbelieving husband who does not want to divorce, then do not let her divorce him. But here's the thing. If the, the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is, is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. So, in case of abandonment, when the spouse is an unbeliever, and departs, then you may uh, let go. Now once again, I'd like to echo what Jesus said, what the law says. The intention is not to open more room for divorce, it's not to encourage, encourage divorce, but rather the law rightly recognizes the present condition that because of wickedness of heart, because of sin and hatred and broken relationship can devastate someone's soul. In that case, to protect the vulnerable, not to make divorce more easy and accessible, but again, to protect people, the Lord, in certain cases, allowed divorce. Let's go to the third point, the original, uh, the Christ's intention of marriage in redemption. Now, it's really depressing, isn't it? Like a sermon about divorce. Um, but let's look at Christ and find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Bible speaks the relationship with Christ and church as a husband and wife. And Bible also speaks how many times in the redemptive history God's people broke Christ's heart by being unfaithful to him. We did not love him exclusively with all our hearts, with all our strength. From time to time or all the time, we love idols more than him. In Isaiah 50 verse 1, it says, Where is the certificate of your mother's divorce whom I have put away? So Isaiah is reminding uh, the past, past history of Israel that you have been unfaithful and you are being unfaithful to repent. Where is the divorce certificate of your mothers? In other words, we all deserve divorce. We all deserve to, to be put away. Yet in the redemptive history, the Lord, although he has the right to send us away with a certificate of divorce in our hands, which means eternal damnation, he retrieved us. Think about the book of Hosea. 
The book of Hosea represents, uh, the prophet Hosea represented us, sorry, represents the Lord. His wife Gomer, who continued to play harlot, represents Israel. Later, Hosea purchased Gomer with money. Even after several prostitution and cheating, Hosea was commanded to go after her. Just like Hosea had to uh, pay the price to buy back his wife, who definitely deserves divorce, God the Father pays the price to retrieve sinners like you and I. And this time, the price is not gold or silver, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have to understand that how the original intention of marriage and the law to prevent the divorce, but in the meantime, he, in some cases, to protect the vulnerable, the Lord allowed certain provisions. The Lord still yet insisted very limited view of divorce because he had this in his mind. The Christ had to die for his bride church. And the Lord willing, next week we will be reminded of that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. As we see visibly with our own eyes the bread, which symbolizes the broken body of Christ. Wine that symbolizes blood of Christ. The payment by which God purchased us back to him. May the Lord bless us as we prepare our hearts for next week, the Lord's Supper.